1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shape of Work podcast. In this episode, today we have with us Dipti, the Senior Manager, Human Resource Business Partner at MyGate, who is also MBA in Human Resource Management from Simboises Institute of Business Management. Hi Dipti, thank you for coming and joining us today. Uh, how Hi.
0: are you Dipti? Hi Riddhi. I'm so sorry, I was kind of trying to cut when you were talking, but it's, it's, it's great when you know it's great to interact with you and I mean it's an amazing opportunity that you've given me thank you very much Riddhi for it's that a pleasure to have you here and <laughs> I have done my MBA from SIBM Bangalore yeah. <laughs> Pune, because a lot of people keep getting confused whether it's Bangalore or Pune so Bangalore it is
1: yeah okay so okay so Dipti uh, just to set I'll, just to set some context about you and what you do can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself on your journey till now
0: Yes, absolutely. So hi, everyone. My name is Bhipti. On a professional front, I have 10 years of work experience spanning across HR and software development. I started off my career as a software developer and then quickly realized that's not my cup of tea. Did my MBA in HR from SIBM Bangalore. And then um, since then, I have been in this field of HR. I played multiple roles across various startups, MNCs. In the capacity of HR business partner, HR generalist, uh, training and development space, so pretty much touched upon everywhere and currently working as a senior manager, HR business partner with uh, my kid. On a personal front, I'm a new mommy. My kid is six months old, and I live with my husband, We based out of Bangalore. and um, I am a singer. <laughs> I like to listen to a lot of good music and uh, I mean I think I won't say I'm a writer because pretty much everyone nowadays writes or content creates
1: no please I have on gone through your LinkedIn pages and
0: you have written a lot of great articles <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure other people also write so that is I'm not putting myself as a writer but yeah I mean yeah uh pretty much my passion to keep writing on stuff i've i've written a couple of anthologies um, yeah yeah later on we'll discuss on that <laughs> on that as well okay yeah. great. great all right so i'll let you drive this conversation then but the, yeah that's that's about
1: me oh it's like great to know about your journey and so talking about your role since currently you are working as a senior manager right so you have handled large employee base that is around 600 people somewhere you have mentioned. And of course, it's not an easy task. And the top of that, you are a mom and it's very difficult to balance life. Work-life balance is also like very equally important. And uh, definitely at some point in time, it's really challenging to manage everything, right? So can you tell our listeners about the difficulty
0: you face and some tips and tricks to handle large employee base? Yes, absolutely. So I think, uh, Rideen, firstly, I would like to say that I'm fortunate enough that uh, I got a good maternity break from my company's end and uh, I'm yet to resume work. But I feel that handling a big employee you know, base, which I've done earlier in one of the MNCs that I've worked with. It comes with its own set of challenges. I think scale is the only challenge, right? Even if I'm handling an employee base of, say, about 20 folks, each person is individual. I have to tailor my approach towards them based on their preferences, right? When it comes to 600 folks, it's just the scale, right? It's easier to manage 20 folks. It's more difficult to manage 600 folks. Yeah, definitely. So I think scale becomes a challenge. And on top of that, you know, as you scale up and it happens with businesses as well, you tend to categorize right? You start categorizing those problems into different buckets. So two people might have a similar problem and you put them into one bucket and you say, you know what, this can be one of the solutions, right? But that can't be applicable to both of them, even if they are coming with similar problems. So for instance, I can tell you like, you know, there can be two people. Let me take an example like myself. I'll say, you know what, I need a break or probably an extension of my maternity leave because I have like a six-month-old daughter. There might be someone else who might be saying, you know what? I need a sabbatical probably for like two, three months because my, you know, someone in my family is not keeping well. Now the categorization can be that of a break, right? Yeah. But I can't arrive at a similar solution for both of them because Definitely. both of their needs are different, right? So I think that becomes a challenge when the business starts to scale and the employee base kind of increases. Bucketing the problems into one categories doesn't really seem to be the issue, but providing the same solution, yeah. right? That seems to be the issue. And yeah. that is what um, I have faced when I've kind of worked with, I, I kind of moved from a smaller employee base to a larger employee base. And with respect to the tips and tricks of managing it, I think being in touch with the leaders, right? who Under whom you have a bigger employee base. Being in touch with them and being in tune with whatever they are trying to say or whatever problems they are trying to describe on a frequent basis, that kind of helps sort it out rather than being extremely disconnected and not knowing what's happening within one's business unit or within one's department
1: definitely like you have given great suggestions and i think people pursuing HR really really have a huge advantage with their advice and like i think not even that but for the people who have want to have a leadership skill i think these are the great points they can imbibe in themselves yeah and Yeah, so, you know, talking about skills and skills are quickly become obsolete. And from the recent and current job market, companies can only address the talent need of a future fit business with upskilling. And since a lot has been spoken about upskilling in this season of layoffs, and you discuss layoff issues many times in some of your articles, right? So what what are your
0: views on that? all right it's 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 a good question what see honestly I have been a big I've been like a big advocate of upskilling okay because I myself have done a lot of these self-sponsored certifications and I try and do one each year like one big ticket certification each year just to keep myself abreast with whatever is happening in my industry and whatever is happening in the business Uh, but with that being said you know said I think uh, upskilling was a huge thing, which was kind of missing till the pandemic happened. And then suddenly everybody started to talk about upskilling. Everybody was uh, learning or picking up courses on Coursera, Udemy, LinkedIn learning. There were just even YouTube for that matter. Right. And there were just so many learning avenues. I think upskilling now has become more of like, a superficial thing. Okay. Now, now hear me out. I don't mean to degrade anyone or say, you know, you're not learning anything, but you know, learning a thing and putting up certification has become more of like a resume point. Okay. Which Honestly, I have also been guilty. I have also been there at some point of time in my career. But true upskilling is when you're trying to learn something in the space in which you aspire to be or you want to improve yourself in the space in which you are already in. And it doesn't necessarily only have to be through certifications or through courses. It can also be by taking up, you know, small consulting stints, okay, doing live projects, or reaching out to people saying, you know what, this is the problem that I saw you describe in one of your LinkedIn posts, can I help you out with it on a pro bono basis, right? I think that's more to do with upskilling nowadays. And in organizations, again, which are like seriously focused on upskilling, they're not just providing those avenues of learning like they're not just they're not like you know we're giving you free subscription of LinkedIn Learning or Udemy for that matter right but they're also kind of building those career paths for people saying that hey today you are a project manager tomorrow suppose you want to move to say the space of being a data scientist, what is it that you can do, right? And then giving them mentors in place, giving them the proper resources in place wherein they can work, they can shadow people on the projects that they are already working on and they are more well prepared to move to a role like that, right? So I think in these in this sad season of layoffs, I mean, it really pains me to see so many people getting laid off and I've seen it now like what, thrice? In my life, I've I've seen it in 2008 and I saw it kind of somewhere, I think in 2012 also when it was, you know, the market was, and I'm seeing it now. It's equally painful, right? But I think only upskilling is not the answer in today's times because everyone has done that during the pandemic. Okay. I think it has to be a mixture of upskilling. It has to be a mixture of building a good network. Again, that's a topic that I'd like to talk about at a later point in time, you know, because everyone's understanding of networking, networking is different and my understanding of networking might be different from someone else's. I think it has to be a blend of upskilling, you know, having building a good network and then, you know, also taking up things that you otherwise your ego won't allow right mm-hmm. like if i am a tenured person and i say no i don't want to do freelancing assignments because you know i have reached a certain point in my career wherein i make xx amount and i, I am mm-hmm. at xx designation that really doesn't hold good in today's times and i think with the gen gen x which has uh, sorry gen Z. Gen Z which has yeah. already entered and mm-hmm. gen alpha also which yeah. is uh, there Times are going to get more complex. There's got to be a lot of more fluidity flowing into the work
1: Yeah, just that you have mentioned, the like categorizing your priority is very important because nowadays like people are going into a form of fear of missing out because definitely they don't know because just because they are doing they also wanted to do yes (laughs) so that is not how the thing works yes
0: absolutely
1: so I think we have discussed a lot so far but of course we cannot miss on this topic because as someone who has been in HR for a very long time I think over a decade it's a perfect question to ask Dipti that helps the upcoming youngsters because the basic meaning of the term toxic environment. It has become a trend to quit job for normal reasons like low salary, no promotions, no career growth, etc. And then people call those places toxic. I
0: just wanted to know your opinion on what a toxic workplace really is. All right. Thank you, Riddhi. Thank you. I think this is a very pertinent question and it's being asked to someone who's been a job hopper in her life. And I started job hopping when the term in itself was not very appreciated in the market. See, I have also quit places because of, you know, reasons which are personal, professional, both combined. But honestly, I don't think I have ever worked for a toxic workplace. I'll tell you why. Because, you know, everyone at the end, though they are working for an organization, they're also looking out for themselves. Okay. And that's the way to go, right? You know, for you, maybe right now, the priority may be how can I establish myself in this industry in which I've just stepped in and how do I move up the ladder? For me, it might be you know how do I take up something which will help me spend more time with my child right maybe five years ago my priority would have been the same as yours but my priorities have now changed so I think at every given point of time when someone is working with an organization uh, they're also looking out for themselves and once they see that there's a mismatch in terms of what they want versus what how they are getting aligned to the organization that's not really matching. That is when they decide to kind of call it quits. Now, that can be, like you rightly said, because of an umpteen number of reasons, like, you know, low salary promotion promotion, stopped, or maybe for that matter, even office politics for that matter. But I think, You know, what I have lately noticed is people calling it a toxic workplace because one, I think this mental health thing is very much in vogue, okay? And while I appreciate that the topic is coming up, people are using mental health at the drop of their hat. You know, my manager scolded me, my mental health got affected. Boss, I mean, come on! Like, have some amount of thick skin, right? Your parents might also be scolding you, doesn't it? My mental health went for a toss. It doesn't go... A toss like that, right? Toxic workplace would be where someone is constantly abusing you, right? Yeah. Where someone is calling your name, someone is saying, you know, you're doing a shitty job, or, you know, this is not, you are not capable of doing it day in, day out, every day, say for months. That is when you can call a work. And that, too, I don't think it's the workplace, it's a person concerned, right? It can be your manager. Whereas another team might have a great manager who might be totally encouraging that particular team. So I think it has to do with, you know, abuse, workplace abuse, uh, sexual abuse, mental harassment, or for that matter, you know, continuously blocking of your progress. When I say continuously blocking, like you've been associated with an organization for three years, you're seeing that you're not being picked up on any good projects, even if you have the skills, you're seeing that there is a lot of office politics, you're seeing that your promotion is being stalled, you're seeing that your appraisal has always been low despite you know, you performing well and you giving the proof to that saying, you know, clients have appreciated me. See, these are the appreciation meals and then nothing happening. Then you can still probably go ahead and call that place toxic. But yeah, I mean, calling a workplace toxic just because say you got a 5% hike and someone else got say like a 10% hike is borderline crazy for me. Yeah. Right? It, it's silly for that matter, right? Or for that matter... You know that promotions happen from, you know, getting promoted from A to B takes about three years. Okay. Someone else got fast-tracked because they showed over, they went over and above in their tasks and they got promoted in two and a half years. You're saying that, you know, that is toxic because I didn't get promoted and all that. I think that is again very silly. So toxic workplace in people's minds, I think whoever is listening out to me, it has to be very clear. It has to be a place where you're constantly ridiculed, constantly insulted, constantly feel abused, feel unsafe. That is when you can call a workplace toxic. Otherwise, it is the generic dynamics of the corporate world. Okay, And whatever said and done, the corporate world has become complex. It has become more brutal. And we have to go with the flow. We have to accept it as it is. Companies are far more business-oriented in today's times. When I started my career 12 years ago, to where am I, where I am now, where I see companies and them taking calls like, you know, layoffs at the drop of a hat. It pains me, but yeah, I mean, that's the time that we are living in. These are the unprecedented times that all of us have to get used to.
1: I think, Dupi, you have explained it really very well and that was a great point brought up by you. And, you know, I can't stop asking you as many questions as I can because you are explaining really very well. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And you know that I was going through some of your articles and you have mentioned that being empathic versus knowing what the other people has experienced because you have experienced it yourself are two different things. So can you share your opinion on this? Yes. So basically it
0: was uh, from this viewpoint that, you know, a lot of people ask you to show empathy, right? I think you just can't show empathy for the For the sake of it, right? You need to have empathy in yourself to actually show it to people saying, you know what, I empathize with you and your situation, right? But somehow people who are able to show it more naturally are the people who would have experienced it themselves, right? For instance, I'm a new mom. Before I became a mom, I could empathize with people who said, you know, my child is demanding my attention or my child is sick. I have to attend to that person. As an HR professional, I could show the empathy, but I did not really understand the actual challenges that would come with motherhood. Today, as a mother myself, when someone tells me, you know what, my son or daughter has fallen sick, my level of empathy would be higher. Right. Or the way I look at it would be much, much different because I know how it feels to be a mother. Or I know how it feels to be a parent now. So I feel empathy is something which can't be shown just for the sake of it, right? And though there's a lot of talk around empathetic leadership, people should show empathy and all that. I think it's somewhere still a very natural trait that comes to people out of the life experiences that they have seen, right? When I look at a struggling entrepreneur who would have struggled for say 5-10 years, but would have built a, built a great empire after that, I can only empathize because I have not really yeah. done that. Yeah. Right. But my empathy will be from the limited experiences I have experienced. So if I have seen someone who's close to me, who has struggled in entrepreneurship and has built an empire, I'll be more empathetic towards the stranger who is doing that because I'll be able to understand what kind of challenges would he or she... Uh, have overcome and that would be even more different from someone who would have done it themselves. So I think that is where I was trying to explain the difference. between. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because of course, everyone cannot experience everything. Everything. Yeah. Correct.
0: Very rightly put by you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And yeah. So that almost brings us to the end of our podcast. But of course, before we go, we just wanted you to share your advice or lesson you want to give to our listener what you have learned in leading the human resource phase that you would like to share with our community? And what is your ambition for the future of the HR industry?
0: All right. So I think, like I said, a lot has changed in the past 10-12 years and I think a lot has changed in the past five years as well. What I have learned uh, being in HR is one has to be extremely agile, one has to be adaptable, we might not always be open to change let's accept that fact not everyone is open to change and i myself if i look at myself i might not not always want to welcome change but we have to accept that that's the inevitable change will happen and the sooner we align ourselves to a change, which is for for a positive result later, which we might not be able to see right now, I think that's the best way to go. Another thing that I've realized is um, we have to be a lot more aligned with the business and a lot more, uh, I will not say numbers oriented, okay, because everyone says that HR has to be more numbers oriented. They have to be yeah. more analytical. I think that is there there is no one like i yeah, have in each
1: other. and every field that is
0: there correct yeah. and i'm an engineer i've studied huh. mathematics that okay. means i know numbers but huh. i think what is more important is we should know how to derive insights from those numbers so if we are seeing say for example diversity declining right yeah. while it is important for for us to know that it is declining it's also important for us to know why is it declining what what has changed, what kind of initiatives were there earlier, which are not running right now, which is why the diversity is declining. Has there been a leadership change, which is now saying, you know, we don't want to concentrate on diversity. So I think deriving those insights are equally important. So these are some of the changes that I've seen in the past couple of years. And these are some of the things that I have also kind of learned is, you know, to be more agile, to be more accepting of the change, to be more adaptable, to be, more insights deriving and at the same time to be more human i think somewhere we we are missing that out big time in organizations Uh, that's happening across organizations across industries across businesses it kind of pains me to see that uh, sometimes these conversations you know suppose let us take the example of layoff conversations they're so inhuman and though they're inevitable because it's a leadership decision or a company-wide decision. What I think I can do is at least I can add my human touch to it and ensure that someone else Someone, suppose I've been given a quota of 20 people to be yeah. laid off. I have to ensure at least those 20 people feel, you know, I left a good organization and on a good note. And I felt respected or my dignity was intact while I was leaving. And that's the least I can do, right? And how I see the future of work shaping is, at least from an HR standpoint, is a lot of AI that is coming in. There are a lot of companies yeah. which have come up, which are offering, which have come up with their tech offerings, trying to solve one problem or the other uh, there are companies which are trying to solve the problem of campus hiring uh, you yeah. know when someone doesn't have to go to different campuses but can come on one platform and kind of uh, you know hire from there then of course there are hrms platforms so i see tech kind of taking a lead but at the same time I think uh, the human factor should not take a back step, right? Uh, Though how much ever people say, oh, gut feel doesn't mean anything. Gut feel doesn't mean anything. It does mean something. In your personal life also, when you must have had a strong gut feel about something and you did that, you will always realize that that's the path that propelled you somewhere. Or if you had a gut feel about a place that you didn't want to go because you felt it's not safe. That gut feel would have saved you from a bad outcome that you know you could have seen. Yeah, yeah. So I think the gut feel factor should still be there, mm. uh, and it should be supported by the evidence back thing, right? Or probably the, either way around. But I think both have to go hand in hand. It should not be like gut feel doesn't mean anything; it's like doesn't matter. Definitely. So that amalgamation is what I see for the future of the work. And then apart from that, of course, I think a lot of priority I think has to be given to employee wellness, which means both physical as well as mental wellness, not just, you know, mental wellness because it's in Vogue, but I think both both of them, because you see a lot of people dying early nowadays, right? You'll hear a lot of these celebs who are working out in gyms who are dying. And I'm like, what's happening boss like you're just in your 40s or 50s I think because the corporate life has become also very stressful wherein you know you're bound to feel very left out or FOMO like you rightly said or for that matter feel you know have that imposter syndrome because nowadays everyone has imposter syndrome right (laughs) am I doing it correctly do I even know this am I like while I'm doing this podcast I'm thinking you know do I know how much I'm talking or are there you know so many gurus or hr leaders out there who've been doing so much more than me so i have posted syndrome you have mentioned this really well. <laughs> yeah yeah so i yeah. it is as yeah. it's so much complex and it is so much stressful right and yeah. how are you then expecting a person to be happy all the time to care about his or her mental wellness to be fit also and to feel oh my god you know what this is the life i want to be. yeah I think that is where I see the future of HR wherein they're bringing in that balance and they're saying, you know what, you've stressed out your folks enough. Just stop, you know, let them breathe a little bit. Sure. I know you want to, you know, crack your sales or whatever it is. And I know the employee also wants to do that. You know, it's also at times to tell the overperformers performers to tell them, you know, stop for a little while and breathe. You don't have to be like the employee of the year every year or Employee of the Month every month, right? It's also important for you to take care of your mental wellness and recharge yourself, take that break when needed, right? And not be really judged for it. You know, people should not be judging them that, you know, why are you taking so many breaks? Why are you taking so many breaks? Yeah, yeah. So I think Employee Wellness also has to play a bigger role and it has to transcend beyond the initiatives of yoga classes and having bringing in a speaker to talk about mental wellness and all that. It has to go much, much beyond
1: that. Definitely. You have like, what a great point. And like, thank you for sharing this. And I'm sure they have, like our listeners will have a lot of key takeaway from this. Yeah. So the this brings us to the end of our conversation. Uh, so before we leave, can you tell our listeners where they can reach out to you?
0: Yes, absolutely. I'm available on LinkedIn. So KS Deepti is my handle. You can search for me by the name of Deepti KS. And mm-hmm. I'll be happy to connect and talk anything regarding HR or anything otherwise. <laughs> you want to talk yeah. about.
1: Definitely. So yeah, it was lovely hosting you. And I just don't want to go because you are explaining really well. and just wanted to ask more and more questions as I can. But yeah.
0: No worries. Maybe for some time later.
1: Definitely. And yeah, thank you for sharing your insights with our listeners and we have a nice day it was a pleasure having you here thank you